Blog Talk Radio. Good evening, everyone. My name is Aaron Laxton. I'm alongside with Robert Brining. And this is Pause I Am, your 90-minute dose of hope, brought to you each Sunday evening at 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, where we bring the latest in gossip, celebrity news, policy, and legislation, among other things. We have an amazing show lined up for you tonight. We invite you to be a part of the conversation by calling in to 347-215-9442. That's 347-215-9442. You may also follow along on social media, Facebook and Twitter, or at pauseim.org and participate in the chat that will go on throughout the duration of this program. So sit down, buckle up, and enjoy the show. Your 90-minute dose of hope starts now. Good Sunday evening, Robert. This is uh, the 10th day of November, and I actually just got off the plane from <clears throat> Los Angeles, um, so I'm glad I'm able to be with you tonight. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Happy Sunday evening to you as well. It has been a, uh, a, a fun-filled week for sure and uh, a lot going on. I don't know about you, but things have just been run, 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 and the rest of the month looks like it's going to be the same way. Yes, yeah, so, so you were you said you were out in L.A.? Yeah, uh, Impulse Los Angeles, which is a um, – it, the parent group is, is the AIDS Healthcare Foundation, um, but it is a group of uh, gay young men in the Hollywood area. They've actually got groups in uh, Mexico City, um, Fort Lauderdale. Uh, I believe they're getting ready to start one in Dallas and one in India. Um, and it's an all-volunteer group of, of guys that try to tackle, you know, socially relevant issues um, and this particular conversation was about PrEP, which is a great conversation considering that our guests that we're bringing on tonight uh, will be talking about all the aspects of PrEP, and it's not without debate, let's just say that. Well, I think it, it makes good conversation, you know? It does. It's, uh, you know, there was a lot of, you know, Thursday night there was an event with uh, Frontiers, the Sigma Project, um, five organizations came together and have a, a conversation. So that was great. And then the event by Impulse was held on Saturday afternoon. Um, certainly these conversations are going to go on across the country um, as, you know, people start buying into the research and what, what um, that's showing us. So, you know, I'm excited about it. And I think that the listeners um, hopefully will walk away a, a different perspective maybe after tonight's show and they'll form their own opinions after hearing what Damon has to say about things. Yeah, and I think that regardless of your side or your belief about PrEP or your thoughts on it, it it's bringing, you know, it's a conversation that is bringing kind of HIV back to the forefront. We're talking again and that's kind of, you know, where it all begins. So I just think us having conversations and, and whether it's, you know, about PrEP or or any, you know, other thing to do with HIV, I think it's just important that we're having conversations. 
Yeah, and I, it was actually very interesting because one of the physicians that was on the panel, um, I was talking with him, and I said, you know, here he ha, has been a physician for years and years and years, and um, I said, you know, did you ever think there would come a time where we would be talking about not treating HIV, but rather how we can prevent it with medications? And he honestly said, no, I didn't think that we would come to this point. Um, so I think for some of our community members who've been around for a long time and they've seen the progression of where we are going as a community, it's a fresh breath of air. Um, and it's important to remember, good to have these debates, but at the end of the day what we're trying to get to is um, zero new infections. And, and how we do that, may look very differently, but, you know, even the national HIV AIDS strategy, that's the number one goal is, uh, geared, you know, reducing the number of new um, HIV infections. Um, and that alone is not going to be, it has to be a multi-strategy, a, a multi-pronged strategy. So. so I know you're all excited about what kind of news is going on this week, right? Oh, I'm so excited to know what's going on. Please well, you know, inform us of what's been hitting the, the social media news feeds in the last week. <laughs> All right. Well, you know, I can't do anything. I'm a dancing monkey, so I've got to have my song. So hold on. You are hotness. Work that bod. Oh, my God. Work that bond. Work it. Now do a little turn. You're doing great. You're a tiger. Oh, you're really an elephant. But I'm not going to tell you that. I just love that. I, it gets better each week. <laughs> it cracks me up every time that he goes. You're really an elephant, but I ain't going to tell you that. <laughs> You're really an elephant. Let me tell you what. After being in L.A. for the last couple of days, um, I think that person was probably from L.A. Because that's an L.A. <laughs> attitude right there. I'm just saying. Just saying. Love everyone in L.A. Uh, but it's very – anyway. So have you heard about the Dallas Buyers Club? Uh, this is a movie with Matthew McConaughey. I'm personally not a fan of Matthew McConaughey. I think he's a douche. But uh, this movie is, in the movie, you see an emaciated Matthew McConaughey who plays a real-life AIDS victim. Ron uh, Woodruff was the character's name, real, a real character, um, who was diagnosed with AIDS in the mid-'80s. And, and he started a venue called the Dallas Buyers Club. And it, this was a place that distributed AIDS treatment that was not yet approved by the FDA. Uh, to those who couldn't afford it or suffered from ill effects from the new AIDS uh, drugs called AZT. So this is really exciting for a couple of reasons. It's, it's exciting because, well, you know, mainstream public, you know, it's not too often that we actually see a movie talking about the darkest days of the AIDS era. So that's pretty exciting. And, I'm looking at a an article that the EntertainmentTimes.com um, reported on, and 
and they actually just checked, uh, fact-checked it, if I can talk. So <laughs> what's, what's true about it? Um, what if rolled in rodeos? Well, if you see the movie, that's not true. He did not ride in rodeo, rodeos. He liked them. He didn't ride in them. Um, was he in denial about his condition? And I, this is not a spoiler alert, okay? So if you don't, don't send me hate emails saying you spoiled the movie for me. I have not seen it personally yet. Um, he was, in fact, in denial about his condition. Uh, he was diagnosed in 85, but he joked with friends that the diagnosis must have been a mistake because he wasn't homosexual. And for a long time, he chose to ignore the very real illness. Um, the Dallas Buying Club, the Buyers Club, lab tested their drugs. And that's a fact. Uh, according to some articles, um, they sent their drugs to local labs to test them for purity after they were smuggled in from Mexico. Um, it actually be very interesting to see what, like, Dab Garner, Daly, what their, what their uh, thoughts about the Dallas uh, Buyers Club was. Let's see what else. It would, you know, it was a fact that Woodruff would use elaborate disguises when smuggling the drugs into the country. Um, and Woodruff was uh, a homophobe who over time changed his views. Um, so fact by everything that the, the, the movie presents is factual for the most part. Um, you know, as with any movie, though, they're going to embellish a little bit just for the you know, the final product to make it entertainment. But for the, by and large, you know, if you're out there listening and you get a chance, go check out the Dallas Fires Club. I think it gives a unique perspective. I feel like I'm doing a movie review. <laughs> okay, wait a minute. I, I thought you said up. you didn't see it. Well, I'm reading the article. I need to go see it. Um, but <laughs> well, you can't you review know. it if you didn't see it. Well, I can give you someone else's reviews, Robert. <laughs> Doggone it. Okay, so um, from our So, so wait friend, a minute. So in, in this, yeah. in, I remember seeing images of this movie and, and pictures of Matthew and what he looked like for this. And he was very, like, he lost a lot of weight for this, right? Right. He did. Do you think that, do you think that that's something that, um, I don't know, feeds into the stigma that people with HIV and AIDS are still wasting when that's like, you know, I guess, well, he played it for the part of the person back in at that time. So I guess. Right. He, you know, right. So he was in really in character, um, you know, for this particular role. And I, I think, you know, he lost like 35, 40 pounds for this particular role. Um, and I mean, personally, I think it's a good, we need to remember where we've come from and, and certainly, but I think you're making a, a very valid point that we're not there now. Um, yeah. You know, a, pers- a person that contracts HIV, and if they do uh, move to an AIDS diagnosis, um, that's not – the is- incidence of muscle wasting today uh, and body wasting are extremely low because we have new medications that can treat it. Um, so I think that's a very valid point you're making. Good job, Robert. Aw. I'm going to keep you around. So, Kevin Maloney, we all love Kevin. Uh, he uh, was the founder of No Shame. Um, he has T-shirts, T-shirts, T-shirts. And so if – I know we, we're all coming upon World's AIDS Day. Um, 
you know, if and we've seen the different shirts. I know I have the the HIV positive. I know you you have that same one, right, Robert? Yeah. The red one from. Yeah. Um, and so, if you're listening and you want a new shirt, uh, my uh, Kevin has his shirts. The No Shame About Being HIV um, Positive campaign um, by the the Rise Up to HIV. To date, 520 people have participated. Um, and if you can, he's asking for a donation of twenty dollars. It'll go to support the campaign. Um, but if you can't, um, you know, if you have limited funding, um, he has a limited number of shirts that are available for a donation of $10. So as long as you order your shirts by December, uh, by Wednesday, this Wednesday, you can get it by December 1st so you can wear it to your local World AIDS Day event. Um, so definitely I would say check that out. Um, you can look up No Shame About Being HIV Positive on Facebook. Um, let's see. So, have you seen uh, a new video that actually Impulse Los Angeles put out um, called "Knowing"? Have you seen this? So, and as I mean, as far as I know, it's the only video out there right now that's dealing with serodiscordant. It's highly, uh, well, I mean, it's just downright sexual. I like it. Um, there are two hot boys in there. I won't give you the ending. You're going to have to go online. You're going to have to find it. You know, what go is to it fate or, So it's, it's just type in knowing on YouTube, and it is like a mini documentary. It's a mini soap opera or something. But it's about two boys, um, and uh, it, it revolves around HIV status and uh, you know, condom use and um, uh, divulging your HIV status. I mean, there's a lot of topics that are that are hit on, but the first day that it was released, um, it had like 14,000 views. Um, and so I just would encourage everybody, check it out, give the feedback. Do you like it? Do you not like it? Um, do you think it's bullshit? You know, whatever. Um, I personally think it's a, a phenomenal film. I got to see the director's cut in Los Angeles this past uh, weekend. Mm-hmm. All I can say is it was sex on the screen. I mean, not I mean, not literally sex. It was kind of softcore porn. That's all I can say. Very hot. <laughs> see, now, now make sure that when they go there, they have to not just type in know, uh, knowing. They have to type in knowing HIV. Because I just typed in knowing, and all I saw was Nicolas Cage movies. Oh, Nicholas Cage movies. I'm sorry. I want to punch myself in the throat. Yeah, so you want to type in HIV after knowing. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for that, because I, I would have definitely got a hate mail on that one. Right. Um, you know, and there's some other things. Josh Robbins actually uh, from, you know, he's a phenomenal blogger. I'm still Josh. Um, he put out uh, something I saw that hit the wire this past week. Um, basically where it, it's a it was the title, uh, you know, I gave Josh HIV or something to that effect. Have you seen that? No. And I, I was I'm, trying I'm to not find online it. like I used to be. It kind of sucks because I'm missing all the stuff that's happening. All right. oh, we, need to, we need to block out, like, chunks of time for you to, like, just be online, get on, you know, yeah. do this stuff. Because uh, it's just – I did not read the article or the blog. Um, but it was very thought-provoking from the title. Um, uh-huh. 
And uh, and I just love Josh's work. He's a phenomenal uh, young blogger. Um, I believe he's based out of Nashville. And he, um, you know, he recently did the the community letter regarding prep, um, where he wanted people to buy in to or commit to having a conversation with their physician um, about prep. And so I think that really goes hand in hand with what we're talking about tonight, um, uh, in that, you know, we have to commit to not only having the conversation with our physician, but we need to commit to actually sharing it. You know, each one tell one um, and not keep this information to ourselves. It's kind of like the good news of Jesus if you believe in such. Um, we're all becoming Mormon, by the way. So I think right now I'm, cha- I'm channeling Jeremy, but I don't have a, bottle of, uh, a box of wine next to me. I'm just saying. <laughs> so, you're in a box that, of wine. I know, I don't. But that's basically what I had tonight uh, as far as what's been going on. It's been a, you know, prep, prep, prep for me. So, right, well, hey, you've been busy and, and it's important and it's a conversation that needs to be had and it's what's happening now, so why not continue to talk about it? And that's why I'm excited to have uh, Damon on tonight to speak about this subject as well. But there's actually something I wanted to share with everybody. Um, you know, our friends over at ANU Magazine, um, ended up doing an article that came out on um, the beginning of the month on the support group that I go to and six of the guys that go to my support group. And these guys are like my friends. Like, you know, these are like my girlfriends when we go there. It's like family. And if you go to ANU, um, a- AUMag.org and type in Mazzoni, M-A-Z-Z-O-N-I, um, in the browse or in the, in the search engine, the, the article will come up. And it's basically uh, a roundtable discussion of six guys who go to the support group who are finding strength in each other and, and the support group and, and their friendship. And these are guys that I remember coming in when they were newly diagnosed and they were, like, so afraid, some of them. And they, and they shared, you know, the ones that I didn't know before that, um, talked about how they were so afraid to be so open about their status and things of that nature. But for them to go and put their faces out there in a, in a public magazine like this and and to do it as a group, it, it's like, you know what I mean? It's like strength in numbers is what it is. And I'm so proud of these guys. They're, like, incredible, incredibly young guys who are, like, 30 and below, who are putting themselves out there in, in, in a way that could be, you know, difficult when you're, you know, young and gay and, and, and in the scene. People are judgmental, and I think these guys are courageous. So I just wanted to give a shout-out um, to my friends David, Ryan, Colin, Gio, Adam, and Amir for doing the – the article. I think uh, they're very brave men to do it, and they do it for all the right reasons. And uh, I'm kind of impressed that the next generation of activists are going to be these guys because they're, you know, definitely in it to make a difference. So I'm, I'm proud of them. Yeah, I actually saw when you posted that, and uh, and I saw the group. I, I always see your Facebook posts that, that say you're going, um, and so I put two and two together and. And uh, it was very interesting, and uh, I kudos to them for doing that and allowing the uh, uh, AU to uh, document that. Yeah, it was awesome. So I put the link in the chat room; people can go check it out, um, you know, now or later on after the show. So, yeah, so what do you I have think... planned for uh, a World Eight Day? Big plan. Well, World Eight Day right now, I don't have anything planned. Um, 
I I usually if I'm off, I'll go to uh, the the event at the AIDS Fund, uh, the organization that actually runs the AIDS Walk here in Philly. They put on a World AIDS Day event that you know all the local ISOs have tables set up. I've actually had a table set up there one year promoting Pause I Am and the radio show and things like that, and and just networking and meeting you know the community. And it's just an event where there's food and things like that. So it's kind of it's fun, but it's it's kind of boring after a while. You kind of get tired of the same stuff. So maybe I'm going to look for something different to do this World AIDS Day. There has to be other things around the area. I mean, I live in Philly, for, for Christ's sakes. I don't live in, like, Nebraska. Well, you know, it's uh, unfortunately, you know, in 2009, so in the, the late 80s, you know, uh, 48 to 50% of the public felt that AIDS was the number one pressing public health issue and health crisis. In 2009, that same question was asked, and only 6% of the public felt as if HIV and AIDS was an issue. So I think if we were to poll even now, those numbers are going to be even lower. And I think what you're stating is is uh, it's a growing problem, right? We're seeing less and less events. We're seeing less and less people that seem to care um, because it's normalized. And I think that's the double-edged sword of where we're living with HIV. Treatment's got um, uh, has gotten so you know, has improved so much. Um, people are living longer, and it's fallen out of the public public eye. Yeah. Well, you know, as long as we continue to talk about it, it'll still be in the public eye, Aaron. So there we go. We will just keep talking about it, keep chugging away. <laughs> That's the only way to do it. I actually think our guest may be on the line. So um, we could take a quick and then when we come back, we will try to uh, bring Damon on. How's that sound? Sounds like a plan, Sam. Let's do it. (laughs) If you're a man who has sex with other men, CDC recommends that you get tested for chlamydia, syphilis, gonorrhea, and HIV at least annually. Your doctor doesn't automatically test for STDs, so it's important that you ask to be tested. Make regular STD testing a part of your life. To find a testing center near you, visit www.findstdtest.org or talk to your health care provider. A message from CDC. Hi, what's up? This is Britney Spears for LifeBeat, the music industry fights AIDS. HIV, the virus that causes AIDS, is hitting young women hard. If you choose to have sex, be safe. Use protection every time. Help support Life Beat Zero Transmission 2001 campaign by not getting infected with HIV. Don't be a zero. There you go, Mrs. Tony Tanya. <laughs> I love that one. That's like Don't my favorite. <laughs> that's young Brittany. That's like before yeah, the melt, That's before the meltdown. That's when she was still with uh, Justin. So Brittany was, you know, she innocent. was innocent. That's oh. <laughs> I wouldn't use innocent and Brittany ever in the same sentence, but well, that's when she at least wore a school uniform. <laughs> that's a, that's pre her shaving all her hair off and going cray cray, Brittany. Yeah, but she's still fun anyway. <laughs> I love it. So, are you ready to talk about some prep? Yeah, I'm ready to talk about a lot of things. So. 
let's do this. Where so what, is... what, do, what do you know about PrEP? I, honestly, like I, I am not the most educated person on PrEP. Um, I, and I guess at, at a point I am not is because I'm already HIV positive. But, I mean, I, I just, I'm not knowledgeable about it. I'm not really, I haven't really been connected with what's been going on in the HIV community. That's why, you know, I'm so glad I do this show because I learned so much from you, Aaron, and then the people that we have on. Because not everybody is able to read everything or, or catch everything during the week. So I love having this Sunday night kind of sit down and chat and kind of catching up with what's going on. And prep is something that I'm not real familiar with. So I'm going to have questions. So I'm ready. I think we're going to get a lot of uh, answers tonight, hopefully, and we'll get, we'll clarify some things. Because there's a lot of, uh, of, I won't say misinformation. There, you know, we there's a lot of people that are, do not think prep is a great idea. Um, and then there's others that they've drank the juice and then think prep is is uh, the way to go. I think the thing for us to remember is that we're going to be presenting the facts about it and letting people, you know, you know, make their own decisions. All right. Well, I think we have our guest, uh, Damon L. Jacobs, on the phone. So please help me welcome Damon to the show. Are you there, Damon? I'm here, guys. How you doing? Good. Welcome to the show. <laughs> Good. I'm so. I just. I. You guys are so great, and I love this show. And I'm so excited to get to speak with both of you. This is really a great opportunity. But Aaron, I, I'm. I'm just. I'm chomping at the bit. I gotta know how your event went yesterday. Like, how did it go? Well, I, I, I must. To... Inquiring minds want to know. <laughs> well, I have to say, first off, it was very cool standing on the stage at the Hollywood Improv where countless amazing comedians have stood and holding a mic. That was phenomenal, just from like a childhood kind of thing. On the flip side, yeah, I know. I'm kind of a, you know, an attention junkie maybe. Um, (laughs) Well, uh, and just to be clear, I mean, you walked into a forum where it sounded like there might have been hundreds of people who attended. Is that right? It, it was a it was a heavily attended event. Okay. Uh, and and it, it certainly wasn't one you know we knew going into it that I mean let's just be realistic. Michael Weinstein from AHF was one of the sitting panelists. Right. Um, we had a physician um, who is you know heavily credentialed uh, mm-hmm. that works for AHF um, that was on the panel. And then we had Dr. Michael uh, or David Hardy um, from Cedar Sinai, mm-hmm. um, and so it was. I think to say that we were all kind of on defense, or at least you know, going into it would be a vast understatement. Mm-hmm. Um, but we knew going into it that we were going to present the facts. We were going to try to leave our opinions <laughs> out at the door. For the most part, that did occur, mm-hmm. uh, and and you know, I tried to pull the punches. I didn't. I, I did. You know, ninety five percent of it, I was on good behavior. Let's just say that. <laughs> That's pretty I'm good. Impressed. <laughs> pretty high <laughs> You know, well, Aaron, I just, you know, I, I'm so impressed. You did walk into a forum where it appeared that 
the perhaps the perhaps that half the panel and the organizers were not necessarily going to be in favor and that's the kind of bravery that i think that really inspires me and you know you talk about with other you know you do a lot of interviews where you ask people about what activism means or what activism in the 21st century means we're not storming the nih and we're not jumping on rooftops but what you did yesterday i think is really the kind of activism and action that is called for in 2013 and it definitely requires a bravery that inspires me a lot um and i just wanted to to point that out because a lot i love your show is really about hope and about all the wonderful changes that are happening, not to ignore the problems, but um, just to hear that you were able, that, that this happened yesterday and that you were part of that uh, is great. Well, thank you. I mean, that, that means a lot. I, uh, I was highly nervous and uh, going into it. Um, you know, I think the organizers in Pulse Los Angeles, they, want, they really wanted to have an unbiased conversation. I think for the most part that occurred. We had a real dialogue, and I think anybody who, you know, I've been tweeting out questions all day and getting responses, and that's why I'm so excited to have you on. Um, and so we can kind of lay out these facts, and it is a heavily charged issue. It's not; it's very polarized. Um, would, it would sure you, is. I mean, is that isn't your that assessment? A, isn't that strange? To me, that's so strange, but let's, yeah, let's talk. So what is prep for those listeners, because this is, you know, this is something that is geared towards um, negative people. But what is PrEP? Okay, so PrEP stands for pre-exposure prophylactics. And what that is, is a form of HIV prevention where a person who is negative would take a medication or take a pill that would prevent them from becoming positive or would significantly reduce the likelihood that they would become HIV positive if they were exposed. It's similar in principle to a birth control pill that women take, uh, a daily regimen that one takes to avoid an adverse consequence in their life. And someone may elect to take it at times in their life when they're sexually active or not in a primary relationship or perhaps in a primary relationship with someone whom they know to be HIV positive. Um, but again, similar to birth control pills, it may not be something that someone may need to take or choose to take for their entire lifetime. There might be intermittent periods where someone may choose not to be sexually active or may choose not to use this medication. But right now, um, PrEP, the only medication that has been approved by the FDA to be used as pre-exposure prophylactics is a medication called Trivada. And Trivada has already been prescribed by, uh, for people who are HIV positive as one of the medications that's very effective, a uh, combination of medicines that helps people who are positive maintain their undetectable viral load and keep their lives and their bodies healthy. And it is actually believed that there are many medicines now that are currently being prescribed to HIV-positive individuals that would also be effective as a prevention strategy for people that are HIV-negative, and those are actually being researched as we speak. Um, but basically, that's the gist of this. It is a daily medication. Um, it, it works if you work it. It doesn't work if you don't. Uh, it has to be... It, it's you know, the numbers really vary, but if one adheres to it consistently and daily over a consistent period of time without skipping doses, um, it has been shown in studies to be about 99% effective. So 
I'm just going to throw at you some comments that I heard from our panel discussion. Um, yes, and, bring it. <laughs> and, and, yes. And, and, I'm interested to hear your perspective. Uh, I, I think, you know, because we did have, there were people in the audience that they were definitely not for it. There were some that were on the fence, and there were some that really were interested in it, and they wanted to find out the facts. So I think it was a good mix. So the one question that Michael Weinstein threw at me, and I think it's a very valid question, mm-hmm. why would someone who is healthy choose to take a medication that can cause side effects? Because it's harm reduction. It's an ch- opportunity for me as an HIV-negative person to take responsibility and ownership for my health, for my body, for my sexuality, um, which is a very empowering feeling. Um, I, you know, I grew up in the 80s. I grew up in the time when, when knowing and loving people with HIV and AIDS was, meant losing people with HIV and AIDS. And I know, I, I mean, I really remember that. And that is something that I have lived in fear of my entire life until I started using PrEP myself, which was two years ago, two years and four months ago. Um, now, aside from just me, aside from Damon, why do women take birth control pills? despite the side effects, which there are some for some women, um, because they're trying to avoid adverse consequences. People do the same thing when they take uh, malaria pills before they travel to different countries. It's not that unusual. And to get back to the issue of side effects, very, very, very few people experience any side effects. I've never experienced any side effects, and I've been on this for two years and four months. I've never experienced a side effect. My blood is drawn every four months, so my doctor's looking at my kidney functioning and all that great liver stuff. Um, I haven't experienced any side effects. So we're talking about a minimal, a very, very small amount of people who have side effects. Those people who do have side effects are usually very, very, very minimal side effects. Um, and that's why. <laughs> I don't, does that answer? It, it does. And I was actually on the plane ride home because uh, I literally just got off the plane, um, I decided that, you know, because in my downtime, I decided to read, you know, I, I go over the national HIV AIDS strategy, doesn't everybody. Um, and so I'm reading the PDF file on my iPad uh, on the plane, uh, which, oh, by the way, it really annoys me whenever people are in the aisle and they're trying to push that cart cart down the line. Anyway, it's just a side <laughs> note, which really drives me crazy. So, so, if you are interested, the panel, you know, the HIV AIDS strategy was very unique because it was the first time that our White House, our administration, kind of came together and said that we really want to do something about HIV. We want to address new infections, treatment, um, and we need a whole strategy to address it. Um, and this is directly out of the strategy. Um, step two, expand targeted efforts to prevent HIV infections using a combination of effective evidence-based approaches. Uh, one of the hardest lessons of HIV epidemic is that there's no single magic bullet that will stem the tide of new HIV infection. In the past, some have focused on one method of HIV prevention in favor of others. The public discourse uh, over, has oversimplified the policy issues and has led some people to believe that a single solution, whether it's education, condom use, biomedical innovations, held the key to reducing HIV infections. I mean, it's right out of the strategy, and yet 
isn't surprising when people talk about it. They seem like this is like uh, something straight out of the devil's mouth. It is so strange to me. And by the way, I mean, first of all, I think that's brilliant. I think the way that's phrased absolutely encapsulates pretty much anything that I could say, because I've been part of that. I've been working in prevention and education for most of the past 22 years. I'd say that's spot on. We've always focused on if we do this one thing, if we do this one thing, if we do this one thing, then we're going to stop new infections. New infections are going to drop. And we've been very tunnel visioned about that at various times throughout this epidemic. Um, I do want to clarify one thing. I don't say that I am for PrEP, and I want to make this clarification here because, you know, I am not necessarily pro-PrEP. I don't really think it's in anyone's interest to be for or against PrEP. I'm for education about PrEP. I'm for accessible information and access to PrEP. I'm for empowerment about our bodies, about our sexual practices, about our health. That is what I am in favor of. That is what I am talking about. I am not running around telling people to put little blue pills down their throats, taking away their condoms, going into their houses in the middle of the night and stealing their condoms and putting blue pills in their front. No, it's, it's, I want people to learn. I want people to have the knowledge so they can make the choices that are right for them. This is not a for or an against thing for me. And I think it's just so reductive. I'm going to borrow Madonna's term here, but you know, we use this in psychology all the time. It's a very reductive way of thinking. It's a very all-or-nothing approach that I hear and that I read, which kind of leads us to be more in opposition with each other than in coalition. Oh, you'd be very proud of me because whenever we started the panel, they asked each one of our positions, uh, and I basically said the same thing. I said uh, – you know, I'm not here to tell you my position. I'm here to tell you the facts. And then you just you you make a decision for yourself. But that brings me to another point. Um, and then I know Robert's probably chomping at the bit to kind of find out more of your background because I always kind of go out of sync. Um, <laughs> but um, so when I wasn't reading the strategy on the way back to St. Louis, I got this thought in my head. Um, is it somehow odd to you that the biggest proponents of, or biggest opponents, I'd say, and sometimes proponents of PrEP are people who are already living with HIV? Are, so I kind of equate it to birth control, and somehow we have politicians, men usually, who are trying to make decisions for women. Is it odd that you have people who are already living with HIV trying to set the policy for HIV-negative people? Um, well, now, did you say proponents or opponents? Well, I think you have both sides. But in, yeah. in some cases, the biggest opponents to PrEP are people who are already positive. Right. Um, mm -hmm. and, and so it just kind of hit me on the plane that the, the similarity between PrEP and birth control are very similar. Mm-hmm. Well, I'd say the difference is that there's um, systematically, institutionally, there's an imbalance in gender between men's power and women's power. And that when a man is making decisions about what a woman can or cannot do with their body, there's a whole system and institution that supports that, that supports um, gender imbalance, of which women have been paying and still paying the price for that. I don't see the same thing translating into the positive and negative community because overall on an institutional level, HIV-positive individuals don't necessarily have more institutional power than persons who are HIV-negative. 
Um, I don't see it institutionally having the same impact as far as people who are positive having decisions on um, implementing policy in terms of negative, in terms of what people who are HIV negative can do or can't do with their bodies. And plus, that's not happening anyway. That's not even happening. No one who is HIV negative is being denied access to these medications. But what some of the opponents are doing is doing their damn best to make sure that people feel ashamed and stigmatized and like big sluts if they do choose to do it and drive around in vans telling people not to do it. But I don't see that as the same thing as actually institutionally preventing people from having access to these medications. You know what I mean? Right. So I... I let me give you, this was a statement that I made at the end of the panel, and the moderator, um, I thought he was going to have, like, I saw his jugular, like, distending out of his neck, and um, I thought they were going to shut off my microphone. They did not. And I basically told Michael Weinstein that AHS single-handedly has tried to put the Knicks on prep. Is that an accurate statement? Has AHS been the biggest opponent of Yes, press? absolutely. I have no problem saying that. Yes, they have. In an organized fashion, yes. There are also individuals who have spoken out against it, but in terms of an organization, um, they have been the biggest opponent. Um, they have taken out ads in major newspapers. They have taken out billboards in major cities. They have a van where they drive around yelling at people not to use press. You know, where they accuse Gilead of being full of greed. Um, they do this, and they're very organized, and they seem to have a lot of money. Now, again, this is an aid service organization, and I always wonder when I see aid service organizations spending money in one area if someone is losing out in the other area um, because there's simply not enough funding to go around for aid service organizations at this time. So I don't know. I just don't know where all that money is coming from. Nevertheless, the answer is yes. They, um, they are the, in my perception, and if anybody knows different, let me know, they have been the largest organized uh, opponent of PrEP. Um, I don't know why, but I have my suspicions. <laughs> and I don't know if you want me to say my suspicions or not. Well, but, yeah, um, we, well, we don't want to get into much of, uh, uh, we're, you know, we're not here to, to bash AHF, and certainly it wouldn't be fair, you know, since Michael or, or AHF not Michael, uh, and I made that very clear, mm-hmm. um, you know, I, that, that certainly we would, we would want to give AHF an opportunity to, to represent themselves. Um, but that's factual, and I think there's articles going back to 2011 where AHF bust in um, advocates to Capitol Hill and the FDA um, railing against PrEP. Um, what was – and, Robert, I, I assume you're still there. I <laughs> Oh, yeah, I'm here. Sorry, Robert. <laughs> no, you're fine. No, because I'm actually learning a lot, so I'm, I'm enjoying the conversation. That's why I haven't butted in yet. <laughs> okay. So we want to remind the callers that um, if you want to call in, you want to talk to Damon or myself or Robert, um, you may do so at 347-215-9442. We encourage your comments and questions. Um, this is a hot-button topic. So paint the picture for us, Damon. Why leading up to you going on PrEP and deciding to make that decision that you were going to embark on this journey of taking this medication? Well, it was a combination of really several different things. Um, Again, I started working in this field 
started actually working as a volunteer in prevention in 1991. And again, that being the time back before we had medications, back before we had any treatments, even like before AZT, that was really a time when, when AIDS and HIV was still a death sentence. So I, I know what that was like, and I know how important condoms were. And that prompted me at that point to use condoms all the time. And this was back in the 90s when it was like, hey, of course we're going to have a cure by 2000. I mean, this thing really, it can't go into the 21st century. There's no way that was going to happen. And I thought, okay, you know, I can just agree I'm going to use condoms because by 2000, I'm sure this will all be over with, probably before that. And so that was the logic that was in my mind. And, and I think a lot of people at that time were kind of operating on that logic and fear, fear of what would happen if I did become positive at that point. But over time, we did not see a cure. Over time, we did not see a vaccine. And thankfully, and thanks to ACT UP and the, the many, many actions of so many brave individuals, um, we started seeing some life-saving drugs called the antiretrovirals. So we started to see this transition of HIV and AIDS not being the um, tragic death sentence as strongly as it had been. With all of that in mind, um, so now we're like, bringing me up to about 2009, uh, 2010. This was a time in my life where there was a fair amount of tumultuous stuff going on, the end of a long-term relationship, boo-hoo. Actually, it was really, really good. Um, but I noticed I was kind of getting out in the cruising world, getting out in the dating world, and I was noticing that there was a really big difference between hooking up with people in 2010 as there had been 10 years earlier. Um, the main difference being is that people were not using condoms the way they had before. And furthermore, I wasn't using condoms the way I had been before. And that was pretty jarring to me because it was the first time that my own message as a healer, as a, as a therapist, as a HIV prevention advocate, that my own behavior was in not completely in alignment with what I was doing in my work, meaning I was having these encounters, and they weren't always condoms. They weren't always involved. Um, they weren't always – condoms were not always being used. So then I was going through this and going through a lot of cognitive dissonance in my own mind, a lot of back and forth, a lot of like questioning, like, what is this? And fortunately, I have a community of friends that I feel like I can talk to very honestly about this. Then, Thanksgiving 2010, the day before, something happened. The news came out that there had been a study which had demonstrated efficacy, that there was a daily pill that someone could take to remain HIV negative or not become positive if they were exposed. And that was called the IPREX study. Now, initially... The results of this study, the only number that they were shelling out in 2010 was about, they said, well, this drug is about 44% effective. And in my mind, I'm like, well, that's not that good. But within the next six months, there was more research done and there was more analyzing of the results. And um, by June of 2011, it was known that this pill, if taken consistently, would be more about 90% effective, 90 plus percent effective at that point is what we knew. And with that information, I started to think, hey, this might actually be right for me. Um, because you know what? If I was a woman and I would be on birth control, I know that. If there was a vaccine for HIV, I would certainly get that. So why not talk to my doctor about this PrEP thing? And 
help him, help me decide whether this is right or not. So I took this information about the IPREC study, and by that point, the CDC had a web page for, for medical providers. I explained, I showed my doctor this information, and I explained to him some of the, what I had been going through and how my sexual practices had changed. And I said, you know what, I think this might be right for me. And he said, yep, I think you're right. So I started taking it July 19th, 2011, and have not missed a dose ever since. So and you said you had no side effects? I have not had any side effects, not a single one. I've never had any side effects. I wouldn't know I'm taking it except for the fact that I take it. And to anticipate side effects that I may not be able to feel, uh, my doctor does draw my blood every four months. For the first year, he did every three months. And now we're doing every four months. Um, so he's looking at my blood, he's looking at my kidneys, he's looking at my liver enzymes, all this doctor stuff that I don't really understand. But um, as far as we've seen, there has been no um, side effect registered in my body. And as a matter of fact, I feel like I'm in actually better health now because I'm 42 years old. Um, we're getting my blood drawn every four months and ever, all the levels are always even. And I'm like, wow, that's cool. It's kind of neat to know all that stuff. You know, I didn't used to be that proactive with my physical exams. I didn't used to get my blood drawn very often. I didn't used to see all these levels from quarter to quarter, and now I do. So in some ways, PrEP has really been an impetus for me to be even more healthy and more aware of what's going on in my body. So there's a question from the chat room, and mm -hmm. if you don't want to answer, uh, certainly we would understand. When we yeah. start talking about condom use, yeah. um, and this uh, Jeffrey asked in the chat room, Okay. Are you still practicing safe sex or question mark or not? I am practicing safe sex because PrEP is safe sex. Now, that's not the question. I know that's not what he was really asking, <laughs> but I'm going to answer it that way. Because PrEP is 99% effective if taken every day. And I've been taking it every day for two years and four months. Furthermore, if I'm with a, po a partner who is positive, who is on antiretrovirals and has an undetectable viral load, then his ability to transmit HIV to me is reduced by nearly 100%. I think the last study showed about 96%. So on my end, I've got 99% protection. On his end, he's got 96% protection. That to me is a lot of protection. That to me is about as safe as sex as you can get. I think it's more likely at this point right now that I will get shot in the United States than I will get to get HIV. Well, especially in New York, speaking. If you come to St. Louis, that's for sure. And for our listeners, the study that Damon is talking about that shows the reduction on the positive side is the HPTN0 that shows uh, almost 100% reduction in the ability to transmit the virus. So if you're interested and you want to do some bedtime reading, that's the study to look for. And I, and I do, I do want to respect the question because it is a really good question, and I don't want to be flip about it. I don't want to you know, dismiss that. But what I'm trying to communicate is that the whole paradigm around what is safe and what is not is something that is changing. Um, Pause Magazine had a wonderful article um, over the summer, and it was, um, Is Barebacking Sex Safe for Sex? And we have always attached this stigma to condomless sex in our community. And that is shifting now. But that's what I mean by answering the question in a way I'm answering it, because I want to encourage people to start to get a little more flexible with what they're calling, quote-unquote, safe. We now know, this came out from, oh, God, Pat, uh, Patrick Sullivan 
is somebody who worked in the CDC for about a decade. And he recently said that the majority now of new infections in the United States are taking place in the context of a quote-unquote committed relationship. Let me say that again. This is somebody from the CDC who is talking about the fact that most new infections right now in the United States are occurring in the context of what people are recalling a committed relationship. So what is safe? What is safer? Uh, uh, Me taking PrEP and hooking up with some guy who's positive, who's on his meds, and having condomless sex where we know we're protected? Or me being a quote-unquote monogamous relationship and not using condoms with a partner where it's actually not monogamous, without PrEP, without any barriers, and exposing myself to potential HIV infection. Now, again, I'm not here to tell people what to do. I'm just saying let's open our minds and consider the different scenarios that are now before us. Well, and there's a couple of interesting quotes that I kind of wrote down for the panel that I think people need to pay attention to. One is from uh, Ken Mayer. He's professor of medicine at Harvard Medical. I love him. Yeah. Oh, my God. He's amazing. He said in reference to this fear that PrEP could cause uh, a reduction in condom use, which the studies actually don't bear that out. They actually show that condoms are used more and there's a reduction in sexual partners. But he said that some migration away from condoms and towards Travada is inevitable, but that it wouldn't necessarily be a bad trade-off given that PrEP, the, the efficacy and the fact that many of the people are likely to go on treatment, they don't use condoms anyway. Um, that, uh, you know, many people, and this is not quoting uh, Dr. Mayer now, many people are interested in PrEP, not because they're, they want to abandon condoms, but they're just not using them now. And, and we actually asked everybody in the audience before the panel started, how many of you actually use condoms each and every time you have sexual contact? Because if you do it according to, you know, you should do it any time you have oral sex, you should do it any time. Any time you have a penis, soft or really, really hard, near you, uh, and there was only about, I don't know, maybe a hand, you know, handful of people out of a room full of people that were on it and said, you know what, no. And, and that's very interesting to me that we can't even get past that point because we have these buckets of condoms at every bar, and God forbid you don't take a condom with you when you leave because someone will think you're a slut or a whore or whatever. And that kind of goes into my next question. Only perpetuated by sex craze um, um, queers who are interested in bareback sex. And that was a <laughs> that was a question that was posed, not the queers part, but the sex craze bareback um, gays is that and people who are already positive. And people, okay, well. I mean, no, but it's a loaded question. I mean, look at listen to Ken Mayer. Now, I love Ken Mayer. I don't know Ken Mayer that personally. I don't know if he's a sex craze addict, (laughs) barebacking in the streets. But you know, listen to all these people you've quoted and all these doctors and professionals. Uh, There's some pretty respectable gentlemen here who are um, talking about the advocacy of prep. I mean, it depends on what you mean by proponent. Um, I'm a very sex affirmative 
proponent of people learning about PrEP. Not necessarily using, but I'm saying learning. Um, but I do differ from other people sometimes in the way that I will talk so explicitly and openly about anal sex in a really positive way because um, I don't think it's a negative thing. I don't think sex is a negative thing. I don't think it's a shameful thing. I think it's a wonderful thing. So my comfort level and my ability to talk about that might be perceived as others as being some sort of, I don't know, crazy bareback anarchist. But, um, well, I can't really control the perceptions of others. Um, my message is really about responsibility and empowerment and information. So, David, let me ask you this. What do these meds cost you every month? They cost, um, let's see, if I do monthly, they're $20 a month. If I do it three months at a time, I get them at $40 a, a month. Obviously uh, $40 have- for every three months. Sorry. Right. So obviously you have insurance. Right. So so this is through my private insurance. Um, and, you know, so, so, but again, I want people, people to keep in mind because people are like, oh, my God, it costs so much. Well, if your premiums are totally, totally off the charts, if you have to pay like 70 to $100 for a medication, that's determined by your employer or your private insurance company. It's not determined by the pharmaceutical companies. I happen to right. have insurance right now through a former employer because I'm on COBRA because I lost my job back in June because of budget cuts, and I'm on COBRA now. So the plan that I am on is from my former employer, and they had really, really, really great benefits. Um, I hope with the Affordable Care Act to get off COBRA and get on a different plan that will still be reasonable in terms of my ability to access PrEP. Um, but I'm really, really glad you asked because I know that's the other, that's one of the largest misconceptions that, that I hear, um, that this is something that people won't pay thousands and thousands of dollars for. Well, I wouldn't pay thousands and thousands of dollars for it either. Um, but yeah. with insurance, private insurance covers it. Um, state Medicaids pay for it. A couple, some Medicaid systems do require preauthorization from a primary care physician. Um, and hopefully with the Affordable Care Act, we're all going to have better access to insurance coverage that will allow people to use PrEP if they choose to do so. Well, let's hope so. I know that my work actually just offered me insurance, and the plan actually said that I, I would have to pay 30% of the cost of the men every time I would get my prescription filled. And wow. that's ridiculous for a while. You know what I mean? The meds cost, like, I'm on Travada and I Centris, and they're both about $1,300, $1,400 a month. So could you imagine paying 30% of that? You know what I mean? To, no. Oh so it's just, yeah, so it's, I hope something better comes out of that. Well, that, that's, that, you're right. That is really horrible, but that was set, now, well, it's, okay, so I don't want to, I'm, I'm oversimplifying. That was set up by the company. So it sounds yeah. like the company's benefits suck, but that doesn't address the issue that in general, the whole medication issue in this country is ridiculous. The whole fact that it costs so much to keep somebody healthy in this country is ridiculous. And that is an issue for the pharmaceutical companies to deal with. But that's not exclusive to Gilead or or Truvada or PrEP. That is a general across-the-board issue in all areas of health care. So someone in the chat room actually said, um, and I, if you're in the chat room, you'll see it. Um, but I don't want to. Uh, this particular, um, this particular uh, listener said, you know, um, that they had been with one negative person since 1982 or early 82, uh, and that they would want to take every precaution possible 
that it's always been their worst nightmare to infect someone. Um, now, this is this person's fear. Um, and before they had medications that really worked, that they knew so many people that died. And and so for that person that you you know, and this is something that Michael said, and I it was challenging. Uh, why not just use condoms? Okay, so wait, I'm I'm not clear on the. I mean, I understand the question, but I'm not understanding. Well, you know, why not just, you know, positive people just be with positive people and always use condoms? That those, oh, two, okay. those two strategies would work, right? Well, let me tell you a little story about that. Uh, so that's a, that's a question, and that's a decent question, and that's really how we operated in the 90s in the prevention community. So um, one of my first um, volunteer positions was at Stop AIDS Project in San Francisco. And... By 1992, we understood fully how we could stop new infections. We understood fully how we could prevent and stop AIDS. That was the name of our project, the Stop AIDS Project. And we knew we could stop AIDS if everybody used a condom all the time. And we knew that. Like, that was scientific fact. We understood how HIV was transmitted. We understood how it was prevented. So all we have to do, all we have to do now is just get everybody to use a condom all the time, and AIDS will be eradicated within a decade. That was the thought system at the time. So we used to stand out on the corner and give out these pins and go to bars and clubs and give out condoms. And these pins said 100%. And we asked people to wear these pins when they went out so they would be making a commitment to using condoms 100% of the time so that we could stop AIDS within the next decade. So we could get to the year 2000. And whether we had a cure or not, we wouldn't be dealing with new infections. Now, that all makes sense, right? That's logical. That, that gets right back to Michael Weinstein's question. That was the thought system we had. So why didn't it happen? What's the problem? What's stopping this from happening? Oh, well, there's scientific reality, and then there's actual reality. People do not always use condoms. And especially in 2013, they're using them a lot less than they ever did in 1992. People aren't using condoms. It's not natural to use condoms. Your parents didn't use condoms. Nobody, unless they came from a Petri dish, came from parents who used condoms. It's not natural. So you're asking people to go against what is physically and sexually natural for them to do. Furthermore, you're asking a community of people who oftentimes are dealing with stigma, shame, depression, drug abuse, violence, and you're asking them to curb their behavior for an indefinite period of time and only do this one unnatural act sexually, which for some people, not everybody, but for some people prevents a feeling of connection. So the odds are kind of stacked against you. You might be factually correct in everything you're saying about condoms. You are factually correct in everything you're saying about condoms. But human nature doesn't always follow the facts. And that's what I would say to this person and to Michael Weinstein or anyone who's like, why don't you just put a condom on it? Well, we tried that. We did. And you know what? That was successful up to some degree. I mean, in the 1990s, new infection rates in the United States continued to go down and down and down. They did. But around 2004, about 10 years ago, is when they stopped going down. And we haven't had any significant reductions in new infection rates in the United States since 2004. It's been about 50,000 every single year. And that has been with the condoms only, condoms only, condoms only, condoms only message hammered into people's heads over and over and over again. 
and we, and I put myself in this category, what we didn't know we were doing with that condoms-only message was driving sexual activity underground and making people mm-hmm. feel even more shameful and guilty about it. So instead of asking for help, instead of talking to their doctor, their nurse, their therapist about struggles with condomless sex or maintaining control of sexual behaviors, because we were in such a condoms-only mode, people didn't really feel comfortable often talking to their doctors, nurses, and therapists about this. And that guilt sort of drove the behavior even further underground and made people even more likely to expose themselves to HIV. And that is why we are still seeing 50,000 new infections in this country. This is why people are not using condoms. But with PrEP, we have an opportunity to do something that we've never had an opportunity to do before in the history of this epidemic. We have an opportunity to empower people to make responsible choices that do not involve latex, that do not involve behavior changes. These are biomedical, this is what's called a biomedical intervention, not a behavioral intervention. Behavioral interventions are condoms. They aren't working as well. They do work to some degree, but they're not working as well as they could. PrEP as a biomedical intervention, either with condoms or for some people, not using condoms, because I'm not going to shame those people with you not using condoms, it's still an opportunity to significantly reduce new HIV infections in this country to a degree we have never seen before. Why not talk to people about that? Why not give them that information? Wow. See, you got me riled up here. You got me <laughs> No, I love it. I love it. Um, well, I actually want to take a, a quick break, and we'll come back, and, and we'll talk more with you. I actually have a caller on the line. So I just want to remind Great. people if you uh, want to call into the show and you have questions, 347-215-9442. And we will be right back with Damon Jacobs. Uh, this is Pause Am Radio. Figured I spit it like I actually have HIV. That way people will listen. 500,000 people just died from it and awareness is what I stand for. With that HIV. With that HIV. Get tested. Make sure you're not infected. With that HIV, with that HIV, wrap it up, don't be like me. Was in my rest, thinking about my health, when realized it's been a while since I checked myself. Lately I've been running up in everything wrong, from virgins to girls I meet the same day and day before. Gave my doctor a call, he scheduled me that same week I came in, so he could examine what I gave him. Week later he contacted, left message to call back, said he got results and we need to talk about that. Now I'm scared, homie, busting massive sweat. Took a deep breath and called him back direct, out of respect, phone rung twice. Lady picked up, assumed it was his wife, your husband home. She said, hold on, then he came to the phone with the obvious, wasted no time. And a profound tone told me I'm positive, stood there, froze, heart beating fast, dropped the phone. Slow, doctor on the other end, screaming hello. With that HIV, with that HIV, get tested, make sure you're not infected. With that HIV, with that HIV, wrap it up, don't be like me. Oh, all right, and we are back. You're listening to Pause Iron Radio. I'm Robert Brining with. The fabulous Aaron Laxton and our guest, Damon Jacobs. You guys with me? I'm yes, here. Sir. All right. I love it. All right. Let's go to area code 317. You're on the air. Who's this? Hi. Joe Walker. And uh, just uh, glad to get online. 
Well, thanks for calling in. What was your uh, – do you have a comment for Damon? Yeah. Do you have a question? Yeah, I actually wanted to follow up. Uh, I have a question uh, for Damon, but I also wanted to follow up to the discussion where you were talking about the gentleman who had a fear of uh, infecting a negative partner. And, you know, I was in a relationship with a, a man for 17 years, and we found out early on that he was HIV positive and I was negative, and I did convert. Um, and it was his greatest fear. And he died in 2010, and it was always a great regret of his, even though I felt like, as an adult, I knew what I was getting myself into. And now I'm in a serodiscordant relationship where I'm HIV positive, and he's HIV negative, and he's on And, uh, Damon, I've commented, you know, several times in, in your group where, you know, it, 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 it's a great... Um, I don't want to say it's a complete relief, but it's it's great to have this tool where two people can be intimate and not have this great, heavy, gray cloud over us. Um, we still use condoms because I still have that concern, and I don't want to be, you know, infecting the individual. So I understand the previous comment. Because, you know, as someone that is HIV positive, I've been on both sides of, of, of that dime. Um, the question for Damon, being on PrEP um, and using condoms or not, do you have concerns, uh, and this is what comes up frequently and has even been discussed, you know, from our doctors regarding being on PrEP, is to still use condoms to avoid other dangerous STDs. Do you have a concern? Does that concern still, is that still in the back of your mind? Hi, Joseph. Well, first of all, you know, we've talked online and I love hearing your voice and I want to thank you for sharing that about your experience um, and about your relationship. And the answer to your question is yes, um, absolutely. Um, for those who don't know, that, that PrEP only prevents HIV. It does not prevent from any other STDs. So gonorrhea, chlamydia, syphilis, herpes, all that fun stuff. It does not do anything to prevent or reduce the likelihood of getting any of those. Um, so it's what I, my answer is that, you know, PrEP is about harm reduction, not harm elimination. My um, answer to that is that you know, for me, it's just to be as responsible um, as I can to use good judgment, um, although we cannot always see the effects of STDs, but you can sometimes take a good look at the package before you slip it in. And <laughs> the other thing is that because I am on PrEP, and this is part of the CDC protocol for myself or anyone who's using PrEP with a medical professional, is that I get screened every four months. Every four months, I'm getting screened. So in addition to the blood that I talked about, I'm getting my urine drawn, and that's being tested for gonorrhea and for chlamydia. Um, so if there's any signs or symptoms that I'm not catching, because I would hope that I'd be in touch with my body, though as men, we're not always in touch with our bodies in that way. Um, if there was something going on, that it would be caught pretty quickly, and I would not be transmitting it to others. Um, but do I have concerns about being exposed? Yeah, I do. 
So, it, I mean, that's, why, that's one of those considerations that anyone who is taking PrEP needs to really think about. That's why I'm saying I'm not pro-PrEP. I'm pro-information and education about PrEP so that people can kind of weigh out all these decisions in their minds and make the decision that's right for them. Um, and I want to get back, and I just want to say that um, for anyone who's listening, and Joseph, you referred to the group that we're part of on Facebook. Um, Aaron and Robert, if I just might take a minute to talk about that. Um, yeah, sure. Because it seemed like there was so little information out there. Um, and because in New York City, I keep meeting people, oftentimes men in their 20s, um, Part of the job that I mentioned to you that I no longer have had to do with um, working in HIV studies where I would go out to bars and clubs and talk to people about HIV and prevention and um, try to get them interested and inspired to be part of vaccine trials. And before the funding for that ended, I would you know, talk to people about their experience. And quite often, I would meet these men in their 20s who were newly HIV positive, who had no idea that PrEP existed, who had no idea that there was an FDA-approved medication that their insurance would pay for that would have prevented them from becoming positive. And it breaks my heart. Every time I would have a conversation with somebody and we talk about PrEP and their face would just drop and say, where were you six months ago? I didn't know about this. That's happened way too many times that I ever want to have happen. So I was sad and I was pissed and really feeling frustrated and was kind of complaining to one of my coworkers about this and was just like, you know, the information's not out there. We in the prevention community are failing our community. There's nothing on Facebook where even anybody could even find this information. And then I realized, wait, wait, there's nothing on Facebook. Why don't I start a group? on Facebook that would be a resource for information, for research, for studies, for opinions, so that somebody who is searching Facebook, um, somebody who types in PrEP or HIV or sex may come across this page. The name of it is PrEP Facts, Rethinking HIV Prevention and Sex. Let me say that again. PrEP Facts, F-A-C-T-S, Rethinking HIV Prevention and Sex. And I invite anyone to come see the group, come join the group, come ask questions, come give opinions. Um, I really like the way it's shaped itself up into being um, a, a respectful resource. Um, I, in the beginning of starting this group, there was some controversy around this because um, I didn't really understand forming a Facebook group and the screening process. And I also hadn't really been clear for myself about how I wanted to kind of limit um, the the anger the 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 anger let me just put it. so people came in and they were inappropriate and they were slut shaming me and slut shaming people who were taking prep and just saying very very negative toxic name calling um, things and I learned very early that if I actually want to have a board that people are going to come to I have to put limits on that um, this is a controversial subject Aaron as you pointed out at the beginning I still don't know why people are so upset by this but some people are People are welcome to come to the group and ask questions and bring up criticisms and concerns. Um, and Joseph, I love the way you do that and the way you ask about the questions about STDs. But I'm talking about the irrational people who just want to spew out toxic anger and don't want to be rational and don't want to participate in a rational scientific discussion. Um, and I get a lot of shit from people who say that I should not, and I'm saying the word quote, should not, be saying that PrEP is 99% effective. And that in itself has raised controversy, even amongst those who really think that PrEP is a good thing. And I understand that's a controversial number, uh, but here's the deal with that. 
I'm talking about the results from the IPREX study, and I'm also talking about the results that came out of Uganda um, just very, very recently, in which these studies show that not a single person who took PrEP seven days a week, not a single person who had the maximal amount of this medication in their system became HIV positive, even when they were exposed. And nobody I know in the real world who is taking PrEP, who is not using condoms, who is taking it seven days a week, has become HIV positive. And so that's where I get that number from. It's from the science, it's from the data, it's from the research. It's scanned, some people disagree with it, but it's my group and I'm keeping it on there. But that's been some of the controversy that's been on there. And I just wanted to invite people, come check out the group, come visit, come say hi, give us your thoughts if you want to actually participate in a rational scientific discussion about it. Well, there was a there was a uh, a comment in the uh, positively aware uh, issue on prep. I, if you haven't had a chance to check that out, it's the summer 2013 issue. Um, and um, Daryl Willer, who uh, PhD has a master's in public health and uh, uh, he's a social worker, um, he just summed it up very you know elegantly. And I highlighted this and I underlined it in bold, uh, everything. I love it we must not let the fear of what is new deter us from taking the important prevention methods into our own hands. You know, I love it when people who are smart can say something that I try to, like I could go on for five minutes trying to say that and then like, boom, in 10 words, he's got it. That's exactly what I'm trying to say. Yes. And it's Perfect. scary. I mean, there, you know, I, I think, you know, and that being said, at the end of the conversation, um, the the debate that or not the debate I don't want that's the wrong word the conversation we had this this weekend with Michael um, and Dr Hardy um, uh, that was videotaped it, it will be online or not videotaped it was they they recorded it it'll be online surprisingly at the end of it even Michael Weinstein agreed that well you know he agrees that in limited a very narrow scope prep is valuable. It, it can be applied in certain circumstances. I think that is a shift from his earlier stances of that it should never be applied and then it has no value. So maybe he's starting to drink the juice. I don't. I don't know. Maybe. I, but you know, <laughs> it, it, um, it, I can't really speculate what juice Michael Weinstein drinks. <laughs> but he, you know, he did make that statement that in limited settings, um, and even the physician that was on from AHF. He, he himself has said that he has prescribed uh, PrEP um, in, in relation to discordant couples. Um, so I think the more – right now, there's only been 2,000 – roughly around 2,000 prescriptions written for Truvada as PrEP. We know that there are roughly uh, 500,000 people uh, that could benefit from this. But it's important to note, Gilead's not paid any money for advertising. Right. They've they they put not. money into safety measures and into programming to ensure compliance and things like that. But they've not spent any money on marketing for this, um, which do you think that's part of the reason why it's been so slow to uptake? I do. I think that has been part of that. I think we will – I think this is so new, and, you know, it's going to take time for people just to wrap their minds around this. I'm really happy to hear what you're saying about Michael Weinstein's position. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm a little flip about it. I'm a little sarcastic about it, but it really is good because I think, like 
most people, it's just going to take some time for people to understand what it is we're talking about, to understand what this means, to understand what it doesn't mean, and to get used to the idea. And I, from what I've been told, it was very similar when birth control became available to women in the 1960s. It wasn't suddenly like, yay, let's all embrace this. It took a while for women to get comfortable with this idea. It took a while for doctors to get comfortable with this idea. And as we see you know, in the last election, a lot of people still aren't comfortable with the idea that women could have control over their bodies. So, you know, it, it's, it's going to take time, but I, I think in a year or two, we're going to be having a very different conversation about this. Well, we keep referencing birth control, and I, we were having a conversation after the event yesterday. You know, many people said women could not adhere to a, a one-day regimen, one-pill-a-day regimen. They, you know, people were very anti-birth control. They were very, but birth control comes with its own risk, right? I mean, there's clotting issues. It can cause heart attacks. You know, if you read that fine print, it can cause everything from bad credit to, you know, uh, high cholesterol to a third arm growing, right? Uh That's the fine print on any medication, whether it's aspirin or Lipitor for high cholesterol or whatever, that, you know, so let's not read so much into that, but let's look at the actual studies, the IPREX, the PARTNER study, the TDF2 study. Uh, there's good data that shows, and like you're saying, you've seen almost no or no side effects personally, right? Not at all. I've, I've never experienced any side effects. And again, I'm just, you know, my blood is drawn every four months, but I've had nothing. I have felt nothing. Um, And again, birth control is an apt metaphor, not chemically, but just in terms of implementation, Uh, because yes, there are side effects. And again, birth control is not about harm elimination, it's about harm reduction. Um, But we know, and and so a lot of people don't use condoms, a lot of people won't use condoms, a lot of people don't like condoms and aren't going to use them. And I was listening to your show and, and preparing for your show, and I, I actually wrote a little poem about that. And, and if I may, I'd, I'd love to read you guys a, a little poem I wrote. Would that be okay? Sure, go for it. Sure. You, uh, okay. I don't think anyone is – and I listen to your show, so I don't think anyone's ever read you a poem before or written you a poem before. Am I right, Robert? No, Aaron? no, not that I remember. Okay. We had to go on and read their, read their poems. We did a, a show once on actual like poetry and people writing poems about HIV, and they like shared their poems or I've read their poems on on air, but we've never had someone actually read one. So go ahead. Okay. Well, well, I don't think anyone's ever read you a poem like this. Um, All right. This is called "Condoms and Jam," or Michael Weinstein's worst nightmare. With all apologies to Dr. Seuss. Ready? <laughs> Ready. Yeah, I love it. <laughs> Pause I am, pause I am, how I do love that pause I am. Do you like condoms and jam? I do not like them, pause I am. I do not like condoms and jam. Would you like them here or there? I would not like them here or there. I would not like them anywhere. I do not like condoms and jam. I do not like them, pause I am. Would you like them in your bed? Would you like them on your penis head? I do not like them in my bed. I do not like them on my penis head. I do not like condoms and jam. I do not like them, pause I am. Would you use them in a show? Would you use them with some blow? Not in a show, not with some blow, not in my bed, not on my penis head. I would not use them here or there. I would not use them anywhere. 
I would not use condoms and jam. I would not like them. Pause, I am. Would you use them in a bar? Would you use them with a star? I would not, could not in a bar. I would not, could not with a star. Would you use them in the dark? Would you use them in the park? I do not like them in the dark. I do not like them in the park. I do not like them in a bar. I do not like them with a star. I do not like them here or there. I do not like them anywhere. I do not like condoms and jam. I do not like them, pause I am. Would you, could you, in the rain? Would you, could you, on the subway train? I would, could not, in the rain. I would not, could not, in the subway train. I could not, would not, in a club. Would not, could not, behind the shrub. I would not use them in the rain. I would not use them in a subway train. I do not like condoms and jam. I do not like them. Pause. I am. Finn. (laughs) I loved it. That's that's an ode to condoms. Now, that's... uh, I was just inspired because I love the name of your show. Oh, thanks. It was so funny. Uh, you, oh you, yeah, I mean, I, you know, Damon, it's very seldom I'm at a loss for words. I, uh, I, anytime I hear the word penis head in, in a poem, I, um, you had me from penis head. That's all I can say. Because I'm very sex affirming. So, I mean, uh, I loved it. It was very, I, I want to share that with the world, actually. <laughs> Well, I thought you guys might like that, and I thought, well, I don't think you've ever had a guest read you poetry, and again, I hope I don't get sued by Dr. Seuss's estate for appropriating green eggs and ham with Sam I Am, but I wanted to share that, and I also really, you know, this is a, a humorous adaption of what a lot of people really do think about condoms, and they don't usually say it in a public forum, and they're not usually going to say it in a debate with the AHF or in any kind of place online. But these are the opinions about condoms that I often hear um, in my private practice, um, in the work I do. Um, and this is really, some, for some people, not everybody, but really kind of their sentiment about, you know, no, I'm not going to use them. I hate them. Wait until you hear the conversation that was had with, yeah, with uh, Michael the other day. We, got, we delved deep into that about condoms not being used, and I think you'll be very much uh, uh, intrigued. That's all I can say. It, it, it was a great conversation to have, by all. Right. So, so, David, we're actually winding down to the last few minutes. Um, where can people find you and contact you? And um, can you just give, like, a little bit of – tell us a little bit. We kind of t- didn't get to touch on your book, but can you kind of uh, just kind of give a, a brief thing? We have a few minutes left. Absolutely. So people can see me at shouldlist.com. That's S-H-O-U-L-D-L-E-S-S.com. I also encourage them to come see the Facebook page, Prep Facts, Rethinking HIV Prevention and Sex. Uh, For those in the New York area, I'm so excited. I've got a couple events coming up on World AIDS Day with uh, some guy you had on your show last week. (laughs) The amazing, (laughs) amazing Scott Kramer, who I love dearly, is brilliant. And um, I, um, he's, he really had the brilliant idea to show how to survive a plague at the GLBT Center on Sunday, December 1st. So World AIDS Day to Sunday, December 1st at 2 p.m. at the center. Scott and I will be showing um, how to survive a plague for free so anyone in the community can come see it. Go to scottacramer.com for more details about that or come to the Prep Facts page about that. 
And on Sunday, December 8th, I will be doing a panel with a new program called The One Distinction Project at 70 West 36th Street at 5 o'clock. This is a new um, program here in New York City that's really based on ending HIV stigma and is compiling a panel of educators, therapists, and doctors um, who are going to be talking about strategies and just leading discussions about how we manage stigma in our lives and how we can promote community and uh, togetherness amongst others. And again, that's December 8th. Come see it it or come to Prep Facts at uh, HIV Prevention and Sex to learn more. And if anyone has any questions or wants to yell at me or say nasty things, don't do it. But if you really want to talk to me about something serious, um, email me at shouldless at gmail.com. There you have it. Well, Damon, thank you so much for coming on and educating us and, and, and talking about this important subject. It's, I've learned so much, and I was really quiet most of the show because I was just listening to what you were saying, and your energy is amazing, and I would love to hear you speak. And when I come to New York, I'm going to have to have Scott drag you out to come out with us so we can go to brunch or something like that and hang out. Please do. I, I would, you don't have to drag. I'll, I'll be jumping. I'll be there. <laughs> I can see that. <laughs> yeah. Thank you both so much for having me on the show. Really appreciated it. Thank well, you thanks again, Damon. Have a great night. You too. Thank you. And remember, for more information on our guests, you can go to his website at www.shudless.com. What an amazing guy. So informative and, and cute too. I mean, it's, uh, it was a great show, I think. It was. If people want to find out more information about you, where do they go? They can go to posim.org. And for me, just go to Google and type in Aaron Laxton. I'm all over the place, so you never know where I'm going to be. And uh, (laughs) I know. And we have done it again. We've went through another hour and a half. Um, Hit us up next week, um, and you'll hear another 90-minute Delta Hope. Any final words, Robert? No, everybody have a great week, and we will see you next weekend with another amazing guest or two. We hope you enjoyed this. We hope you enjoyed this week's Pause <laughs> I Am radio program. We want to encourage you to listen each and every Sunday evening for Pause I Am Pause Two Point It's not the pause you used to know. A brand new format brand new guests, and a brand new encouragement coming your way each and every Sunday. We want to encourage you to check us out on social media. Uh, you can find myself, Aaron Laxton, and Robert Brining both on Facebook and Twitter. You may also like the Facebook page, Pause I Am Radio. Be sure to go on there like that. Stay up to date on what's going on in your community and the HIV community. If you haven't done so, also be sure to go to www. .pausim.org and join the online community. There's no reason to be alone in your diagnosis in HIV. We're here for you. There's others here for you. Until next week, my name is Aaron Laxton. I get the pleasure of signing off for my dear friend and co-host Robert Brining. Remember, each one of you makes the community you live in. Make it a great one. Do something positive.